welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I am don't have the energy to record that again. So hi, I'm Klani. And I'm Shar. And this is episode 61, chapters 5 to 9. Um, Keith and Sophie are trying to figure out who possible candidates for Sophie's biological parents. Oh, right, right, right. This was, I don't remember anything from last week. This is in the middle of all of the biological parent drama. Uh, so pre-Legacy's release, I got very into debating biological parent fan theories on the wiki, and I found it very validating as Keith and Sophie were, like, ruling out Alden and Della and other options for the exact same reasons I was. Nice. They mostly just talk about, like, possible ideas and that's pretty much it and Keith re- and Keith reassures her about being unmatchable. Out of curiosity, do you have any ideas who you think Sophie's dad might be? Biological dad? Okay, so given that the unlocked medical records had Ellen talking about my little girl and because it's like implied that her parents aren't members of of the Black Swan, I'm going with Elwyn. Oh, because, right, Because, like, yeah. he's also, he's got all the parts of Sophie that Orly doesn't. Like, he had, like, he has messy hair like Sophie, he hates fancy clothing, he has a, like, he has a pretty good sense of humor, like, he just, and he's also really brave, and then I think so Sophie gets, like, her, her more rebellious side, and even some of her quietness, I'd say, and, 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 and stuff like that from Orly. I think that she's a pretty even mix of both of them, although... I really, really, really don't want Sophie to hate Elvin, so I'm, I'm hoping that's not not true. I'm so worried about, like, if he turns out to be her biological dad, that it'll go down the same way it went with Orly. Orly was, like, trying to, to protect Sophie the best way she could, and that was why she couldn't tell, so at, at least she has a reason why. With Elwin, it's going to be way worse, because he could have told her. If Sophie gets mad at Elwin, I do not think my heart will be able to handle it. My, my heart could not handle the reveal scene in Legacy because, like, I had all these predictions for what it was going to be like because Orly was my biggest theory going into this book. And then, and then it turned out to be wrong and they had ended up screaming at each other and I wanted to throw the book across the room because it's just... They're two of my favorite characters and I want them to like each other. When people are mean to my comfort characters, it makes me want to cry. I'm just like, no! No! Be nice to them! That's my child! And then my other main theory is Gethin, because he's blonde and a powerful telepath, and it would be such a cool plot twist. Like, also, we have no clue about his backstory, so maybe Gethin was, like, a Black Swan member first, but switched to the Neverseer for some reason, or... That would be really cool to explore, like, why he switched... And, like, also that would mean that in the scene, in the scene in, in Lodestar, when Sophie Orlean and Mr. Forkel are questioning him in the Luminaria Dungeon, Sophie would have had a family reunion, although a very weird one. Nothing like hanging out with mom, dad, and the guy who, like, <laughs> created you. Yeah. <laughs> some, you know, some families have, like, regular reunions and hangout times, and Sophie has a counselor who's helping her question one of her biggest enemies in, in one of the world's most secure dungeons. It all evens out. Sometimes family is a kid, her mom the counselor, her dad the possible murderer, maybe, and the guy who put the genes together. And that would make when Gethin stabs Forkel so much, like, darker because if, like, Gethin had been working with him for Project Moonlark. Oh my god. And, wait, the thing where he said, where he was talking about, like, cutting off Orly's head. I mean, 
Wait, did they know it was each other, though? Um, they don't, but, like, maybe he found out somehow, or, or maybe he just suspected from the way Orly and Sophie interact. Yeah, that would be so interesting. But, like, oh, and, and maybe that was why Gethin was trying to kill Orly, because, like, he had some, I don't know, grudge against her, I guess, that, like, she was being as rebellious as him, but just got away with it. Yeah. Okay, what would make it even worse is if, like, okay, this is, this might be a little far-fetched, but, like, what if somehow Orly killed Gethin in some final battle and Mr. Forkel was willing to reveal it to Sophie only after? Like, oh yeah, your biological mom killed your biological dad, that's just for a heads up. <laughs> yeah, you know, just a, just, you know, just sort of average day-to-day life. Okay, so... Next, I think we're at the part where the th- Sophie and Grady and Emily are talking about the council making Sophie a regent. The entire scene is about Sophie, like, this entire section about Sophie becoming a regent and stuff. They talk about it, they talk about matchmaking. Sophie tells Grady and Emily that she's un- unmatchable and they give her lots of hugs and support. Aww. Yeah, I, I, want, I want hugs from Grady and Emily. <laughs> is, it, is it anyone who's on both? Can they hug me? I, could, I should just start writing a list of, like, Keeper of the Lost Cities adults I want to hug. Like, one list of adults I want to hug, one list of adults I want to punch. Yeah, that's fair. Some people will probably go in the middle. <laughs> Mr. Forkle, sometimes I would like to punch him, other times I would like to hug him. I guess there are two- I guess there are two Forkles, so they would both go in the middle. Well, I guess there are no longer two Forkles. There's a singular Forkle. One Fork. <laughs> no more fork men, just fork men. One fork. <laughs> so, next we go to the Sea of Eminence, and a bunch of Sophie's friends are there, and there are spotlights. And can I just say, Wiley has a rainbow spotlight, there is no way that he is cishet. Yeah, <laughs> if Wiley is cishet, explain the rainbow spotlight. I want a rainbow spotlight. Arrow-Ace trans guy Wiley for the win. Yes, I love that. I already, like... And, like, no, I'm, I'm not saying this because I am an Arrow-Ace non-binary person who identifies with Wiley in, in, the, in the later books a lot because we are often both the only, only voice of Sandy. Absolutely not. No projecting going on here. I already had, like, Arrow-Ace Wiley, but also trans Wiley. I love that. <laughs> and also, I think we said this earlier, but he, they, Tyrkin. He they Tyrkin, yes. We're back on the he they's and she they's. <laughs> we don't we won't stop until it takes over everyone, except for Lord Cassius. <laughs> and I think Alina in the, the, the Never Scene. Some I feel like some of the Never Scene have mild he they or she they rights. Lady Gisela does not get to be a she they. <laughs> she they rights revoke. Also, like speaking of the Spotlight colors. The empath spotlight is pink, and I am 100% sure that that, that, that was Orly's call. Yeah. Oh, and then we get to the part where the council shows up, and it's, like, all weird and dark, and how there's something about Orly looking shifty, and I think that that was the moment when reading Legacy, I was like, okay, yeah, she's Sophie's biological mom, and I turned out to be right, and I felt so smug about that when it happened. (laughs) It's never really clarifying why she's looking shifty, though, just that she is. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So then, next, 
say all these have a team and Dex and Miyama start discussing team names and ditching the council's ID. I love them. Just like, I love them here. And I feel like that it's like kind of showing how Dex's relationship with the council has changed throughout the books. Like in book one, he's like, wants nothing to do with them. And then in book three, he manifests and is like trying to like be on their side, like in front of them because he thinks it'll make help them. And I just like found this middle ground where he's like, yes, I'll help you, but I won't do it by your rules. I'll do it by mine. And I just love that for him. And I will spend like 20 minutes roasting the name you came up with. Love that. <laughs> this been a lot, so, so much of the books, like being mature and fighting the bad guys. That's in these moments that you realize, hey, they're just kids. I love how like they're being offered this important position and all they do is like, seriously, you're going with Team Prodigious? <laughs> yes! Also, I do really like Wiley in this section. I feel like sometimes in earlier books, he was like not there a lot and it was kind of hard to, his personality wasn't coming through as much, but now I kind of really see it and I love him. Wiley's cool. Yeah, it's just like... He gives off the best older sibling vibes. Like, he is... Even though he's an only child. Yeah, like, Wiley and Lynn and Tam and Tyrion and Prentice are found family, and it's even canon, and... Found <laughs> family, my beloved. Oh, and Sophie makes an order of the Phoenix reference. Oh, yeah. I love how, like, Shannon will just slip references to things into the books. It's like she is clearly as much of a fan person as any of us in her series shows it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, how old is she? Because, like, if... I think that she might have been, like, our age-ish when the Harry Potter books and movies were coming out, and if so, I would bet that she would... I would bet that she went to at least one midnight screening or midnight book release party. Yeah. I... Yeah, I bet she did. <laughs> it's kind of fun to be reading a book that's, like, clearly made by someone who is much as much of a total nerd as you are. Yes. Also, like... I get the reason for making Sophie the leader of Team Valiant because, like, she's had, like, experience with near-death experiences, but I also think that Wiley would have been a good call. Like, for one, he's the oldest, and for another, he's got, he, like, he works with the Blast one less closely, so he probably has more time that, that, than Sophie to focus on it. I think that putting him in charge, like, it would have worked less well for the plot because a lot of the plot of Legacy revolves around Sophie being the leader, but it, 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 it would have been a good decision. Yeah, like, come on, Council, Wiley has a whole brain cell to him, to himself. Can you say that about any of the other kids? No, they throw around the same brain cell. <laughs> I think that Tam and Lynn get to share one, and, Dex, and, so, do, and so do Dex and Bianca. Aside from that, they're just the, the rest of the squad is just playing hot potato with it, and Keith never gets to turn. Wait, who does that leave, though? Because if it's, like, Tam and Lynn share... As Tamlin share one, Dex and Yala share one, and then Sophie, Keith, Morella, Fitz, maybe Jensi, Stina. I think they all just have one. Yeah, that's true. And then Wiley has so alone brain cell. And Keith, Keith, I love Keith, but he never gets a turn on the brain cell. He sometimes gets to touch the brain cell a little bit as a treat, and then at that point he experiences a thought. <laughs> I mean, he's like smart, he just makes bad decisions. <laughs> So there's also this line in Legacy about, like, how this is line at towards the end of chapter 6 where Orlick tells Sophie, like, true trust does not require absolute transparency. And that has such a double meaning when you realize that the biological mother context. 
Because, like, it's, like, before the re- reveal, like, both Sophia and Orly trust each other a lot and would go to each other with, like, classified information that they really weren't supposed to share. Like, Sophie would share stuff with Orly that she wasn't supposed to tell the council, and Orly would share stuff with Sophie that she wasn't supposed to tell anyone who wasn't on the council. And, like, they just had this really cool connection, and then it just evaporated when Sophie realized that Orly was her biological mom. And also, I think that it might also speak to kind of a double meaning without Orly's work with the Black Swan. Oh, and, and then there's the Lady Foss Boss stuff. Lady Foss Boss. I also appreciate everyone coming up with, like, terrible sort of interim names. Like, that's between t- us and Team Prodigious, Counselor Emily- Emery said, glancing at Dex and reluctantly adding, or Team whatever they decide to call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Wiley and Sophie talking about Maruka joining, just... Maruka is also neat. She maybe gets a little bit of a brain cell as a treat. <laughs> I wonder how many times you've said as a treat throughout the entire course of, of this podcast. I don't want to know. I've said it so many. I don't I don't even say that much in real life. I just like when Keeper Cast brain just flips on and I just start like half of the stuff I've said out on here, my mouth is just going and my brain is elsewhere. And I, I listen to it and I'm like, oh that that sure is a thing that I said. Um, they get into the hamster ball o chaos. Hamster ball! And they, like, shoot up into space, like, I mean, not not quite space, so they're at the edge of the atmosphere, but, like, lucky Isa wants to try that out. Yeah, this is just a normal day for them. A terrifying glass hamster ball takes them to space. Oh, and speaking of which, it smells like the, it smells like the body odor of five, of four teenagers, one 20-year-old, and 12 adults, so that had to be interesting. Yeah, that's gotta be fun. Hopefully, hopefully everyone remembered to wear deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do elves have the do elves have deodorant? Now I'm thinking about that. Do elves have deodorant? I mean, like Sophie has like shampoo and conditioner and soap and stuff, so I feel like they would. But let's never mention. Yeah, elf deodorant—a regular thing to discuss on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my guess is that there's, there's some, like, gnomish plant that works, like, deodorant only better, but... Yeah, that's true. Also, just, like, she knew she was having a weird day when ending up in Bronte's arms wasn't even the weirdest thing that would ha- that had happened. And then they, they say some oaths. And, oh, also, there's the starlight... There's the sunlight, starlight, moonlight thing, and I have a theory about that. So, sunlight is the council. It's powerful. It's some... It's some it can be very harsh, but it's... But, and the whole thing of, like, harnessing the sun is about respect and restraint. Like, that's what we see the characters do when they interact with the council. They have to do a lot of deciding when, when is going to the council with this matter good and when is it not. Um, Moonlight is the never seen. Like, in the series, they've always been there. They're sometimes hidden. They're sometimes very visible. But they're always there and always ever-changing. And they all have, like, different phases, different strategies. And then... Starlight is the black swan. Like it might seem like not not very much, but it's also the most varied, and it's it's always there. It's most varied, and it will give whatever it can when it can. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I never really thought of that. Dang. And also going going with that, Emery makes the starlight speech, which makes sense because he he's the lead counselor. Tarek makes the moonlight speech, which. 
I have this theory that, that he's been that he's part of the Never Seen and is leaking information for the council to them, and that that's why the Never Seen are always one step ahead because they have Tarek as the mole. And then Orly makes the 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 Starlight speech, and it also makes sense because of all the counselors, she's the one who works with the Black Swan the most. Yeah. Wow. Dang. You really thought about that. <laughs> you went really in depth. I. I am not sure I've ever gone as in-depth with anything as that, but that's really cool. English literary analysis skills finally have a purpose. Like, honestly, I would rather have to write my final essay on this than on whatever book we have to read for English class. I would like to- I could definitely write multiple essays on Keeper of the Lost Cities. I'm just gonna come, come up with, like, my four years of having re- read the books, just, like, slam them down on the desk, be like, Okay, I'm gonna get an A on this. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and today for my doctorate thesis, I will be. It is about a fantasy series named Keeper of the Lost Cities and its betrayal of blah blah blah. <laughs> Just write an entire essay about elves, as one does. Then they all get assigned different counselors, and I know that like Sophie getting assigned Orly and Bronte was probably on purpose because she feels comfortable with them. But at the same time, it would have been cool for her to get like from say, Ramira and Velia, who we know almost nothing about, and then have Orly and Bronte go to, like, other kids. Like, Orly and Bianna have never talked in canon, but I feel like if they did, they get on really well. Oh, yeah, Orly and Bianna would vibe. Like, honestly, Orly, Bianna, and Jovi were never all alive at the same time. If they were, they would have been besties. Yeah. Squad of sparkly girls who look like a cinnamon roll but can actually kill you. Just, if Jolie wasn't dead, I'd write fanfic about this. <laughs> write fanfic about it anyway. Live your dream. Oh, yeah, and Orly has her whole thing about how, like, think, talking about how, like, Sophie's not a little girl anymore, which hits a lot different after. That's a good little bit odd, but I just love the part where the council, Sophie's like, I have no clue what I'm doing. And the council's like, yeah, well, uh, so we have no clue what we're doing either. And yeah, the part where, and also, like, the whole thing with Orly and Bronte bantering about giving Sophie a makeover is just, like, those two are besties and I live for it. Yeah, they're, I want to see more, like, Orly and Bronte friendship. Chaotic duo. I just need to make a short note about emo decks, because thank, thank you, Sophie, for that mental image. And also, like... The whole, like, the Sentai makeover scene just reads so much differently, you know, that Orly is Sophie's biological mom. Yeah, god, just every, every interaction they've had is just so much after, like, you know, everything. There's this one scene at the end of Lodestar where, like, Orly gives Sophie a hug or something, and that is probably, and Sophie has probably had more hugs from her biological parents than Keith has ever had from his. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, it is true. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, you should get your heart back in three to five business days. Orly throws glitter on Bronte, just I figured I had to put to bring that up. You did, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Do you have anything else you need to say? Oh, they have a name now. Yeah, Team Valiant! Team Valiant! Woo! Sophie tells Orly and Bronte that she is unmatchable. It's really interesting that, like, she chose to tell them before she chose to tell pretty much any of her friends, aside from Keith, who's, and Keith and Ro kind of pressured it out of her. It says a lot, like, both about how close she is with the counselors, and then also about, like, how she's still wary around her, f- uh, around her friends as well. Yeah, which is really interesting, because they've been, like, they're really close. She's really close to all of her friends, and it's, 
they get, they all get their mascots from the council and their capes and stuff. And Sophie spends like two and a half paragraphs describing how Viana looks. You know, uh, just just yeah, <laughs> that's what Sophie kind of does every time Viana exists, though. She's just like, what if I described her in detail, you know, in, in a totally straight way. <laughs> <laughs> and just the little part where, where Sander lectures the counselor for taking his charge of this base without his permission. It just, I love how he is always, like, overprotective of Sophie no matter who he is talking to. I know, but also every time, every time Sander yells at someone, I have to remind myself that he's that his voice is really squeaky, so he's probably just, he's just like, no, 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 no! I, I really hope that Sander is in the Keeper of the Lost Cities movie, so that I, or that there, oh, he better, or that there are more movies, and that we can have Sander content, because I need to hear his squeaky voice! Yes! I don't think, like, words can capture what it would be like to have, like, a seven-foot, um, foot-tall goblin, and he comes up to you, and then he starts talking like this! Miss Foster, if you run off again, I swear! I love Sander. I honestly didn't realize how much I loved him until I read Everblaze, and when he fell off the cliff and I thought he was gonna die, I'm like, no! I mean, didn't she say once in a book tour that she's considered killing off Sander in every single book? Yeah, but 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 she said it. She said like in one of my like in the book tour that I went to, she was like, "Yeah, I've considered killing off Sander, but if I killed off a character every time they were annoying to write, Keith would have been dead so long ago." <laughs> <laughs> I bet Keith is an adventure, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't hate Keith, but I think that the books are honestly more interesting when he's not adventurous because he takes up so much airspace. And when he's not, you get, like, a more balanced conversation and view of all the other characters. And the same even goes for Fitz. Like, Legacy is my favorite for, like, three reasons. And first one is Orly page time, second one is Livy page time, and third one is that we get to see a lot more of the side characters in this one. Like, Lynn gets, like, out of all of the books, Lynn gets the most page time in Legacy. Lynn! I love Lynn! Just had to put that out there. I do love Lynn. Yes, Lynn. She was not in this section. We should mourn her absence. Not that I have anything against Keith and Fitz. I think they're really cool characters in their own right, but when they're like, when they're there, they tend to kind of take up the whole space. I kind of want the other characters to have some more space. Like, for book nine, I'm kind of hoping that Keith doesn't show back up until the very end, if at all. Yeah, that would be kind of an interesting thing to do. Just, like, a book without Keith, and, like, then we would just get to see so much more of the side characters. Do you have any hopes for book nine? I don't really know what to expect anymore, honestly. I would like the side characters to have more page time. I would like... I would like someone to hug Tam. I know I brought this up in the last episode, but I think Tam, Tam should get to be hugged. Yes. Everyone needs a hug so bad, and, like, therapy. So much therapy. Ever therapy, the new Keeper of Velocity ship. Everyone in therapy. Yes. <laughs> Ever therapy, the unstoppable ship. Wow, my OTP. Everyone getting therapy. <laughs> so going back to the section, the part where Dronte is, like, don't search for your biological parents makes me think that, like, he knows that Orly is Sophie's biological mom. 
Yeah, I wonder if he does. That would be interesting. Yeah, and like I also kind of wonder like when Orly told him, or or if he just took one look at her and Sophie and figured it out. Yeah, Bronte seems kind of very, I don't know, aware like that. Yeah, and like honestly, he's not knowing Bronte and knowing Orly, it was probably most likely that Bronte just like holds her aside once and was like, and basically tried to force it out of her. And I kind of wonder what his reaction was. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that that's really interesting to think about. Well, I could go on rambling about Orly and Bronte's friendship for the rest of the hour, but uh, just as characters, they're so freaking interesting because they're very clearly really close. We see that in this chapter. We see it a lot in Legacy. But they're also just like such different people, and not the initial character traits we see are like wrong. It's like Orly's still a kind person. She's just also like rebellious and willing to lie and willing to do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't assume of her. And meanwhile, Bronte is, like, really snarky and grumpy, and he even inflicts on Sophie once, I still hate him for that. And But but then we discover that, like, he's actually a kind person underneath all of it. And, like, as characters, they complement each other so well, and they balance each other out when they're in scenes, and it's just, they're so interesting. They are so interesting. Yeah. And also, I would have loved it if, I mean, like, their color schemes match up with their personalities, but, like... If Orly wore all black and Bronte wore all pink, like, it would, like, one, let the elves have fewer gender norms, and two, like, just Bronte in a pink dress, okay? Yeah, also goth Orly. Goth Orly, yeah. Hey, any any fairness out there, please, please, please draw Bronte and Orly wearing each, each other's clothes. We can't really pay you, but we will s- send our love. Okay, you can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and TheKeeperCast on Instagram. You can find me at Claudia underscore Clue on Instagram and Sewer 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 Couch on Tumblr. And you can find me at StellarLoon123 on the wiki and The Dark Chocolate Lord on an archive of our own. Please, please, please read my fanfic. Please read it. I know I say this every episode, but... This has been KeeperCast. See you next week. Not next week. Two weeks.